0: Okay, today, if you're turning with me, we're going to be in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is where we're going to start, and we're going to talk about something super important. Today, I just want to take a few minutes and talk about worship. As Christians and as believers, I mean, we hear that word thrown around a lot. Worship. We're going to worship. We're going to... Have a worship service. We're going to do a little worship before the preaching and work. But do we really think about what worship is and, and what does that mean? And, and how Jesus taught. We're going to see that Jesus talks to the woman at the well. And uh, he teaches that the time is coming. In fact, the time is now, is what Jesus said. That it doesn't matter where you are, you can worship in spirit and in truth. So I start out today to talk to you about your worship. It's part of our DNA. It's what you were created for. And the thing is, and the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, you're going to worship something. Right? We were designed for that. So you're going to worship something. It's not a question of if you're going to worship something. My question for you today is what will you worship? Because you choose what you're going to worship. You're going to worship. And maybe you didn't realize that, but you're worshiping something. You're going to worship something. So let's read, let's read Matthew 6, 19, and then we want to talk about this for a minute. I'm going to read it to you in the message Bible. This is Jesus talking. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by burglars. I like how Jesus said, like it's worse that it gets stolen by burglars than just corroded by moths and rust. (laughs) Or worse, stolen by burglars. But stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Think about that for a minute. The place where your treasure is, the place, in other words, the place where you invest the most. Your time every day, your talents, your treasure, your money, like you, who you are. The place where you invest, where your treasure is, that's where you're going to want to be. And that's where you're gonna end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty eyed in greed and distrust, think about that. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide, in wonder and belief. That's how we're called to live. In wonder and belief. And to believe and to trust. That's faith that we can believe and hope. Even in a bad situation. Even if we don't understand or, or we can't work it out in our mind. That, that with wonder and belief, I'm going to step into what God has for me. With my eyes wide open. And, and it says it fills your body with light. If you live your life out of wonder and belief, it fills your body with light. Don't live squinty-eyed. What does it look like to live squinty-eyed? Dark, squinty life. I want you to picture this. What does that look like? Greed and distrust. I don't trust anybody. He hurt me. She hurt me. I don't trust you. I don't trust God. I don't trust people. I don't trust preachers. I don't trust... Greedy. Distrust. That's a dark, squinty-eyed life. Your body is a dank cellar. Well, dang, Jesus. (laughs) He said it, not me. Old dank (laughs) cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. It means there's light outside, but you can choose to pull the blinds and live in darkness. That's your choice. I don't want to live a dark life. Here it is, last verse. This is what I was trying to get to anyways. You can't worship two gods at once. Remember what I just told you. You're going to worship something. It's in you to worship. You're kind of pre-programmed that you're going to worship something. And Jesus is saying right here, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you will end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. See, you can't worship God and money both. Jesus is telling them, you, you can't do it. Like you choose what it is that you're going to worship. So what you worship, you serve. And what you serve, you worship. So your heart follows. What we just read, that those whole verses, it teaches us that that what I serve, I worship. And what I worship, I serve. It goes hand in hand. We read, Paul wrote a lot about he that gives himself over to sin and death becomes a slave to that sin. Same thing. You start to worship that. Worship, we've heard the example used that worship is like what your dog does when you come home. My dog thinks I'm awesome. Actually, I think my pigs like me better than my dog. feed them better than I do my dog though. There were two different kinds of worship. <laughs> Getting a little off track. Two different kinds of worship were mentioned in the Bible. And, and one is a Greek word and it is to pay homage, pay homage, to show reverence, to kneel down before, to honor. The other one used throughout the Old Testament is a Hebrew word and it means to bow down, reverence, to fall down, to worship or give your attention to. It's almost the same. Almost the same thing. To worship, to respect, to give reverence, honor, bow down, to worship. To focus on. That's the main point of worship is we refocus We forget about what's going on, good or bad, and and we refocus our mind. We refocus on him. We bow down. We reverence. We honor. We remind ourselves of what he's done in the past. We just got through doing it during these songs. And and I hope you don't just come in here into a worship service and sing songs. Because you can just sing songs and not even think about it and not refocus and and not worship we can just kind of go through the motions and and sing the wrong words i try to get rebecca to focus a lot of times when the worship team is practicing and she sings wrong words and tries to be funny no and it This is not a discussion. (laughs) Or maybe that's what I do. Whatever. But if we don't focus, if we don't worship and we don't think about the words that we're singing, and we then we kind of miss the point. Right? We're missing. See, there's a reason we sing. There's a reason we lift our hands. There's a reason that we clap. There's a reason that we shout. And I know sometimes we don't feel like it. But a lot of times that's the most important time to refocus. That's the most important time to remind ourselves of our God and how awesome and how big He is. And, and all of those things It's more important when we don't feel it. Worship isn't about us. It's about God. But God doesn't need our worship Think about that. It's not about us, it's about him. But he doesn't need it. We do. God doesn't need us to tell him how good He is because he's insecure. God's not wondering like, "Oh God, yeah, I wonder if that word I gave him was good. I hope he tells me. I hope He worships me for saving his family. Or whatever it is. God doesn't need our worship. We're the ones that need it. Why? Because worship fills us. It fills us up. Worship, we can see, we can look at David's life and look at the Psalms and see that worship refreshes us. Worship, David said, is water to my soul. Your spirit. Worship. It fills us. And it changes our perspective. Look at this story. John 4, 9. I know we looked at this story a couple weeks ago. I, I showed you a part of this story. Like at the end of it when the disciples came back, we're going to look at something different today. John 4, verse 3. He, being Jesus, left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. it said he must go through Samaria. So Samaria was a place that Jews didn't go through. In fact, they must go around Samaria. They would travel two or three days out of their way just to not go through Samaria. Why? Because they were prejudiced and racist and they didn't like the Samaritans. They thought they were half-breeds because the Samaritans were the Jewish part of the kingdom that then the Syrians came in and they all married each other and they forsook the God of Israel and they started worshiping the other gods and so the Jews just thought they were less than. They, were, they called them half breeds or dogs. They wouldn't even speak to them. But this we read says that Jesus must go through Samaria. He had something he had to do. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied. Wait a second. Jesus being wearied. Look up that word, it's tired wore out Jesus was tired he was wore out Jesus got tired he was all God and all man and he was tired from the journey a lot of times we start thinking in our head that if I'm walking in obedience and that if I really have faith and, and I'm a Christian and I'm living my life for God and I'm walking in purpose, then I shouldn't get tired. I shouldn't get weary. But that's not true. So I'm pretty sure Jesus had faith. Pretty sure Jesus was walking in purpose. He was doing what his father wanted him to do, and this, this tells us he was tired. He was tired from the journey. It had been a long journey already. I mean, it just—it says he was wearied. Maybe he was tired of the disciples. Because it tells us he sent the disciples, why don't y'all go on in town and get some lunch? Like go buy some meat. I got something I need to take care of. I'm going to go over here. And he goes and sits by a well and he was tired. Maybe he was just sick and tired of them. Like, I need a minute. Have y'all go down there to Chick fil A and and y'all bring back some food. But Jesus, it's Sunday. I think they're closed. Just go check, anyways. Jesus was a man, he needed a minute. So Jesus goes and sits down by the well, and he's thirsty and he's tired, and they're going to Samaria. Jesus is going to show them something about their hate, about their prejudice, about maybe that's what he was tired of. Maybe he was tired of the disciples and the Jews thinking they were better than other people. That's something he was tired of. We know what's about to happen. He's about to blow that up. Whatever it was, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey... Sometimes we get tired wearied with our journey too. Sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, 12 o'clock. The sixth hour is 12 o'clock. The sun was straight up above their head. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And so we won't stay long on that, but we know that that you wouldn't come, the woman wouldn't come to draw water in the middle of the day. That they would come early in the morning when it was still cool. That it would have been hot in the day. And so she was an outcast. She was shunned. Or she wanted to avoid the judgment and the people. It's the only reason you would come at 12 o'clock in the day. That tells us that she was a woman. Who back in that day the Jews thought were less than. Men, She was a Samaritan. And she wasn't even fully accepted by her own people. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Hey, give me a drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Oh, you must be real thirsty asking me. Did you forget I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan, and you're asking me for a drink? Jesus answered and he said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me a drink. Man, if you knew who I was, thou wouldst have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. So Jesus, is like, Yeah, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink. This woman's probably like, If you only knew the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Now, where are you going to get it? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered, and he said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He said, you don't understand, this is a temporary fix. You're still talking about natural water, and I'm trying to talk about something greater, something bigger. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of living water springing up into everlasting life. He says, the water that I'm talking to you about, the water that I want to give you, is going to give you life. It's going to refresh you. It's going to be inside of you. It won't matter where you are. It will come up out of you, and it will give you life. I'm talking about a living water. I'm not talking about a temporary fix. I'm talking about a supply from the inside out. it's the great exchange it's what God always asks of us hey give me what you have it's not because he needs what we have it's when I look at my finances and God says hey give me the tithe give me 10% it's not because God needs 10% of my money hey give me some time I need you to I need you to give some of your time. It's not because God has to have those couple hours of my time that I'm going to give serving somebody or helping somebody. It's the great exchange. And when we're willing to release what's in our hand, when we're willing to release what we're holding, then He gives us something supernatural. In exchange. I read this scripture last night. I'm going to read it in Isaiah. And then we'll come right back here and finish the story. Um, Isaiah 61. In verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. This is God talking through the prophet. And he says, I'll give beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. Righteousness. The planting of the Lord. And that he might be glorified. He says, if you give me ashes, I'll give you beauty. Well, ashes aren't worth beauty. Nope. Not what it's about. He said, you got mourning. Give me your mourning. Bring it to me. Give it to me. Lay it down at my feet. And I'll give you joy. You got heaviness. Maybe you just got a heavy load. You got some heavy burdens. You got some heavy things that you're carrying around. He, he said, give it to me and I'll give you praise. I'll give you something to be thankful about. You got brokenness? Put it in my hands. Father says, come home. Come to me. Romans 8, 28 says that our God works all things together for the good of Of them that are called according to his purpose. We love him. We're called by him. And so he can work all things together. For our good. If we give it to him. Bring it to him. He'll take your pain. He'll take your sadness. He'll take your brokenness. 1 Peter 5.7 says to cast or unload all of your cares. All of your anxieties on him. Why? Why? because he cares he cares about what you've been through he cares about the things that you're carrying he knows he was there and he said just bring it all to me unload it all on me like, empty it out on me come to the altar come and worship and, and unload, empty it out let it go Verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. In other words, I'm tired of doing what I've been doing. This ain't working out too good, so let's try what you're offering. You know the other thing about worship that a lot of times maybe we don't think about? Like well, I worship God to make God happy, and no, and I told you a few minutes ago, worship was worship is more for us, change our perspective, and to give us a place. Look at this scripture in Jeremiah, and I read it in all different translations and looked up in there. So some of the translations are kind of funny. I'm gonna, I'll read it to you in the Message Bible, and I'll tell you what, at least one or two others say. But uh, it's Jeremiah two verse 4 4 and 5 hear God's message house of Jacob yes you house of Israel God's message what did your ancestors find fault with me that they drifted so far from me God's like what I mean why did they drift so far away And took up with Sir Windbag and turned into windbags themselves. In different translations say it different. The the New Living Translation says it this way. um, They worshipped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Why? Because you become like that which you worship. Eventually, you're going to look like the thing that you worship. And it's a principle we find all throughout Scripture, but we don't really like think about that because I don't really want to look like some of the things that I feel like worshiping. But eventually, you worship something long enough, you start to look like it. And and this is not just a biblical principle, but there are all kinds of studies done and pictures. I was looking at pictures last night online of how, if you worship something or you love something long enough, you begin to look like it. There were pictures of people, there, there's this phenomenon that they set out to like figure it out with tons of couples why all these people that have been married for a long time look like each other. And they're like, did they like seek out a spouse that looked like his sister? They look like siblings. And they were like, surely people didn't just find somebody that looks like them to marry them. No, they didn't. Because this one person had pictures of like the wedding photos and then pictures after 50 years of marriage. And they didn't look alike when they got married. But it was incredible to look at some of those pictures because like after 30, 40, 50 years of marriage, they looked the same. They had some same wrinkles on their faces. And I mean, like, and we're just talking about physically, not in the spirit. Have you seen people that look like their dog? Yeah, a lot of people, like, they look like their dog. Well, this study was saying that, I mean, yeah, you could just go out and pick out a dog that looks kind of like you. But for the most part, you love that dog... And you began to look like it. The longer you're together, just like you would a spouse. Now, if you've been married 40 or 50 years, and I look at you and you look more like your dog than your spouse, then I know who you love more. (laughs) Who you've been worshiping. But eventually, I can just look at you and tell what you worship. You know, there's some people that you can look at and say, they don't have to speak. You don't have to follow them around or watch them. They just walk up and you say, yep, he's an alcoholic. Why is that? Well, when you worship something long enough, you give something your attention, you you give it your time and your talents and your treasure, and, and that's what you pour yourself into, eventually you look like it. Eventually I can tell it. Well, God designed it that way because we're supposed to worship Him. So the longer we worship Him and the more we pour out and worship, the more we look like our dad, God. The more we look like Jesus, the more we worship. That's why He designed it that way. Some people worship things. They 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 bow down, they pay homage, they idolize and like the the alcoholic guy example I was just using this will tell you what you worship what do you go to when things are good in your life how do you celebrate what do you go to when things are bad what do you go through when Something unexpected hits. What do you worship? Let me get back. Let's finish up this story. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. She said, Okay, give me the water. I want what you're offering. He said, Go call your husband. Bring him here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, "Thou hast well said, true. As well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast now is not thy husband. That saidest thou truly." And the woman said unto him, "Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Huh? You think so?" she had six six is the number of man six is what we can do to fill our own brokenness to help ourselves to try to figure it out she had had five husbands and now she was with another guy that she wasn't married to seven is the number of completion Jesus is saying hey I'm going to give you some water you won't thirst again at first, she thought he was asking for water, but really, this woman was thirsty. While well, she was on six, trying to do it her way, and Jesus said, "I'll be number seven. I'm bringing you what you're searching for, what your soul is thirsty for." Anybody tired? I've felt tired lately. And the kind of tired that even if you get some sleep, you're just tired and your soul feels tired. You need a drink. You need to be refreshed. Look, I saw, um, I don't know if any of y'all have seen The Chosen, but it's really good. Um, And I pulled a little clip of this story that I just read you because to me when I watched it, it made Jesus feel like... It made it feel so real and come alive in this woman. So we're gonna play you the clip real quick and then I'll close.
2: Everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ!
0: <laughs> hey wait! <laughs> your water? You forgot your um you, you told me everything I ever did! He came just for her. And it's really cool to think about, like, if you go back and look, that was the first person, like, he hadn't revealed himself to the public as the Messiah. And he picked a Samaritan and a woman, a woman that had a checkered past, even. Like, there were three strikes against her, and that's who he picked to get the word out. He came to her, and and we won't read. I was going to read the rest of the story, but the rest of the story, like now they end up going into Samaria, him and the disciples, and they stay there for two days, and this woman's telling everybody, telling everybody about Jesus. She becomes a very effective minister of the gospel of Jesus. She was filled with that living water that he was talking about. He refreshed her. How? She didn't even, but He says, come to me. If you're tired, Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you living water. I'm sure she was tired. Jesus says, give me what you have. Um, In Mark 5, we won't turn there at the interest of time, but in Mark 5, there was a huge crowd gathered, and Jesus' fame was growing, and there were people there for the right reasons and people there for the wrong reasons, and there were clout chasers, and just all kind of people were there, right? And Jesus gets into a boat, and the disciples get in the boat, and the disciples are like, pretty pumped up, you know, you know how people are, we all know, they're in the boat, and Jesus just goes to sleep, and it tells, the Bible tells us there in Mark 5 that there was a huge crowd gathered, and Jesus said, we got to go to the other side of the lake, and so imagine the disciples, they're like, man, did you see how many people were out there, because Jesus' fame is growing now, and so they're like, we should have just started a church or a ministry there, like, because we think crowds equal success, and Jesus said, "We got to go across the lake." So they're probably thinking, "Man, we had hundreds of people over there." Jesus said, "Now we got to go over here." Yep, yeah, man, we're Probably twenty thousand people waiting on that side. I can't wait, and it must be something big because he went straight to sleep. He's trying to be fully rested for whatever we're about to do. See, there's Jesus was tired again. He was sleeping in the boat, resting. And when thinking about how Jesus was tired, I thought about God. You know, God doesn't need rest, but when he created the the world, he worked for six days and then he rested. I think as an example to us, like it's okay to be refreshed, to take a seat, sit down. So, So they're coming close and, you know, the disciples are probably like, yeah, what is it? What's next? What is it? They're looking and they're like, graveyard, huh? What is that? Is that an animal? I don't, I'm making... The Bible doesn't say what, they. It just says that there was a maniac over there. A demoniac. And he was naked. And he was all cut up and had scars all over him. And he had not one demon. Not two demons. Not a hundred demons. He had about... 2,000 demons dang they said that people had gone in there because he was a danger to society and a maniac and they've chained him up and this joker just ripped out of the chains the disciples are probably like oh God Jesus wake up wrong place why are we going here? Look, up, look, look, look. There's a naked man with scars and cuts all over him, and he's screaming, and he's, he lives in the graveyard. Now, Jesus, I know you're getting orders from above, but you missed it on this one. Turn this thing back around. We had a whole bunch of people back there. We had a good church going. What? Did... Jesus knew exactly where he was headed. Go read the story, but they they get out of the boat, and this psycho crazy man comes running up to him. He's not appropriate. He's got scars and he's open wounds and bleeding and he's got demons and he's got some major issues. He's probably got more issues than most any of y'all. This moment in time, I say thank you for all of you wearing clothes today. This dude had some problems, right? He had a past that was screaming And it tells us that he ran up and he fell at Jesus' feet and began to worship. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how many problems you have. It doesn't matter what you've been through. In fact, we know about our Jesus that he'll leave a crowd. And he'll come for one worshiper. And Jesus set him free. And it's an incredible story. You can go read it, but our Jesus will leave the 99 and go after one. One worshiper. And so I just want to close because I was feeling kind of tired and and I wasn't even going to preach about this story. But what hit me was that one little line that I read that the reason Jesus sat down at that well was because he was tired like he was weary Jesus got tired and I know that some of y'all are tired and, and we get to that place where our soul is just tired and God said tell him I was tired too I know what that feels like it's okay to be tired Faith doesn't prevent fatigue. That's not what it is. It doesn't keep you from losing things. Like, you still lose things. Being a person of faith. But it gives you water. Faith gives you a place to sit. Makes you believe that you will be refreshed. That you have that water inside of you. And that, that you're welcome to come my pastor Pastor Bruce says the rest is sweeter when the road has been long yeah it's been a long road okay then you're going to get some sweet rest Isaiah tells us that even young men stumble and fall even youth in their prime will slip up get hurt Titus is in great shape say the best shape of anyone in my house at the moment Titus holds the record (laughs) I would say there may be some debate Malachi may think he's still got it I don't know but I'm going to tell you Titus has been working but guess what Titus was working hard last week on a workout and hurt himself bad even youth stumble and fall. But Isaiah says, they that wait, they that gather, that look for God, that hope, that focus. Remember, that's what worship is. Focusing, looking to God. They'll renew their strength. They'll mount upon wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will be refreshed. So, I know maybe you've been broken. But don't live in your brokenness. Get a drink and step out into some purpose. I feel like some of us today are just tired. Maybe we came in here tired. Maybe you helped with youth camp yesterday and you were you were tired. But when you're tired, it is very important that you get and stay hydrated. You must be drinking. Right, David said, your spirit is water to my soul. David also talked about bringing a sacrifice of praise. I mean, sometimes it's not easy. You make a sacrifice to praise and worship. Get around his spirit and his presence. It's very important when you are tired to stay hydrated. My question for you as we close today is what well are you sitting at? On a daily basis, there's all different wells you can sit at looking for a drink. And you're drinking out of whatever well you're sitting at. What well is it that you choose to run to when you're tired? Because that's really important. When your soul is tired and you're looking for a drink and you're looking for refreshment, what, what well do you run to? Right? Is it a, a person? Is it, a, is it social media? Is it a substance? Is it what well do you sit at when you're tired? You must drink the water, the word, worship. Stop drinking from wells that don't satisfy God wants to give you a drink today. I hope He already has. He knows you're tired. He knows that you're thirsty. He knows you have brokenness, and He says, I was too. And I was tired. I was broken. I was thirsty. I was bruised so that you could be whole. I know how it feels. And with love in His heart and forgiveness on His lips, arms stretched wide open Jesus cried on the cross I thirst hey I'm thirsty and God became a man dwelt among us 2 Corinthians five twenty one tells us that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God he became so that we could become And he said to that woman that we just watched, and he says to me, and he says to you, he says to the tired, he says to the weary and the broken, he says, come to me. I'm the bread of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. Focus. Come home. And I will refresh you. us pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, thank you for helping us to refocus. God, remind us of what's really important and what we should really be focused on in life and help us to not get so caught up on these other things. I don't want to look around at the end of my life and realize I look like a whole bunch of other things because that's what I've been giving my affection and my time and my worship to. I want to look more and more like you. God, today we remind ourselves of how big and how awesome and how powerful you are and that we're your kids. We worship you. We love you. we Thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you that you're not scared of our scars or our failures or our weaknesses. That you come after us. That you pursue us. Because you want a relationship with us. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen.